0: But we've been on a journey the last several weeks on the Beatitudes. Jesus said this is the Beatitudes of a believer, and we're talking about being free from past hurts, hang-ups, and addictions. And you would think that his recipe would make more sense in the natural, but he doesn't because he's taken us through a process to actually fully heal us. And so he starts by telling us, go ahead and put up the scriptures. Jesus says that if you want to be happy, if you want to be blessed, you start here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then he says, if you're poor in spirit, it leads you to being blessed by properly mourning. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. He says, if you, if you see the domino effect, pouring spirit leads to proper mourning. Proper mourning leads to meekness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And today we're going to add another layer to this. There's a domino effect. I hope you're catching this. He says, now you really want to be happy. Let me take you to this process. Then it will get you to number four, which is blessed are those who hunger, and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Can you say amen? Now, we, we got a little table here because we're going to talk about eating, and then we're going to have communion at the end. But if you're taking notes, um, I hope that you've been tracking this, this domino effect that Jesus talks about here, that it, it plays off of each other. Like, you can't skip the process. You can't skip ahead to get true happiness and true freedom. And so we get here, he says, listen, if you're poor in spirit, you will mourn properly. If you mourn properly, you become meek. We talked about this last week where you have strength under control. And if you have strength under control, then then you're going to start to now crave the right things. You're going to start craving the right things. Have you ever been really, really hungry? Like really, really hungry? Like, when you're really, really hungry, you go out of your way to feed yourself. And sometimes, you're really, really hungry, you end up eating all the wrong stuff. See, it's a little bit of a challenge for us to understand this, because in Jesus' culture, these people were poor. And they were under the Roman Empire, so they would understand what hunger feels like, like real hunger. Because there's a difference between Being really hungry and craving something. Right? Because when you're craving something, you have options. When you're really, really hungry, everything is good. So what Jesus is talking about here, he's talking about the hunger pain. When you're like, man, I don't know where my next meal is coming from. I don't know where I'm going to eat again. This is the people that he's talking to. They rely on crops. They're slaves, basically. And he's saying... Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. In other words, let me appeal to the universal longing that you all have to eat and drink. That's a universal thing. We all need to eat and we all need to drink. We wouldn't be here if we're not eating and drinking properly and Jesus says, you're happy when you understand the right cravings. Hunger is powerful because hunger will drive you to fulfill that emotion. Not just physically, but emotionally and also spiritually. Think about it, we as humans are hungry for many things. We're hungry for attention, we're hungry for approval, We're hungry for love, we're hungry for success, we're hungry for power, we're hungry for respect. There's many things that drives us as human beings. We're not just hungry physically, we're hungry emotionally, and then we're hungry spiritually. So much so, think about this, have you ever thought about this? That when the enemy decided to tempt Adam and Eve, he used food. He appealed to their hunger. But catch this, but we're going to end here. He didn't appeal to their physical hunger. He appealed to their spiritual hunger. He says, if you eat this, you will be just like God. In other words, the enemy knows that the way to our hearts is through our stomach. If he can get you to do something, he has to appeal to your hunger, not just physical, but emotional and spiritual. Some of us are hungry for love. He makes you settle for lust. Some of us are hungry for attention. And you see this, it breaks my heart as a father, as a pastor, young girls, teenagers, 15, 16 years old, hungry for attention, putting up pictures of themselves, barely with clothes, saying, please pay attention to me. And if we're not in tune with that hunger, we will feed them the wrong idea of what attention looks like. And here they go, living their lives, looking for attention deeply, but we're giving them physical Attention. And it's so sad to see an entire generation asking you to feed them. Feed my dopamine so I can feel alive. And if I don't get enough likes on this, then I don't like myself. You think you're hungry for one thing, but your hunger is leading you to something deeper. deep hunger in all of us. So since the beginning, you have to understand this, this is really the heart of this this series, is that since the beginning, since Adam and Eve appealed to their hunger, but fed it through the enemy as opposed to let God feed in them, all of us, and I mean all of us, and I mean all of us are now addicted to the wrong cravings. And you're like, I don't, I'm not addicted. I've never done drugs in my life. Yeah. But you crave attention. Some people are addicted to people-pleasing. Some people cannot live their lives without someone having to say something to them. And if they don't say something to them, it triggers them. Can we go a little bit deeper? See, one way or another, we're all addicts now. All of us, our sinful craving has made us crave everything other than righteousness. Some are addicted to working all the time. Work 80, 90 hours a week, and we say we're doing it for the family, and the family's like, we want you. Because... When you're addicted to work, you're masking for something else It's lacking. That's why some of the richest people in the world are never satisfied, because how much money will satisfy the hunger in your being to have purpose and meaning that money will never be able to give you? See the Bible says it's not money that's the problem, He says the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. Money is a great resource, but it's a terrible God. Some people are addicted to worrying. Some people all they do is worry. Have you noticed some people if they're having a good day, they're like, This can't be real. Something's about to come down. Like some people are attracted to bad things. And they won't be at peace. Because they're like, it's stupid to be true. Something crazy is about to happen. Right, like Jesus said, you know, why worry about tomorrow when tomorrow has its own troubles? Even worry can be an addiction. Some people are addicted to winning. (laughs) My name is Marco. I am a sore loser. But I don't mean just losing in in sports, we can laugh about that, but some people are addicted to winning that, that if someone next to you won in life, you get weird. Like, watch your circle when you get a praise report and they don't celebrate with you. Why? Because you're addicted to you and you can't celebrate anybody else. We're all addicted. So what happens is when these cravings go unchecked, then they become detrimental to the soul. Because usually we jump right to addiction, but like addiction is not the problem, it's the craving that led to the addiction. You don't become addicted to drugs first. You become addicted to what you're looking for the drugs to do for you. You don't become addicted to alcohol. Some people can't. they got to have a drink. Why? Because they've become accustomed to that drink, making you either forget or making you try to come alive. It's not the alcohol. It's what you're trying to make the alcohol do. Some people are looking for intimacy, but they'll settle for a one-night The problem wasn't the sex, the problem is you can have sex but not have intimacy. You can have relationships and still be lonely because you've never settled to be yourself first and to like yourself first that you have to mask it with another relationship. We're all addicted. Even religion can become an addiction. You know that you can pray and not really pray to God, you just pray to make yourself feel better? You know that you can go to church and just look for yours, and if God doesn't answer your prayer the way you want to, you're gonna start bouncing from church to church, trying to find somewhere to mask the reality that you haven't craved righteousness, you're craving self-righteousness. Oh, y'all ain't ready for this one. What's the difference between God's righteousness and self-righteousness? Self-righteousness, when I start to put conditions to what's good, what's holy, what's a good church, what's a bad church, that's self-righteousness. He says, pursue God's righteousness. By the way, the world will tell you, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for happiness by pursuing happiness. Jesus is like, no, you want happiness? Pursue righteousness. Then happiness becomes the byproduct of righteousness. That's the struggle. Our struggle is we're pursuing happiness, and we do it by all means necessary, and then we get stuck. We blame God. But God's like, no, if you pursue righteousness, guess what? Happiness becomes the byproduct of you pursuing the right cravings. If you're paying attention, since Adam and Eve, what God has been doing to humanity is taking us through a process of detoxing us from the wrong cravings. Because it's hard to eat healthy when you haven't detoxed. Your body won't receive it. And you won't stick with it. I came back from k Verde. I did three weeks of detox because I'm like, man, I came back, I went to k Verde and I was eating like, I was eating righteous. (laughs) So, I told my wife, I'm going on a three-week cleansing, and the first week was horrible. Headaches. So, I was drinking galon like it was water. Like crazy headaches in the first four or five days, jitteries. And I'm like, oh man, this is, this is terrible, I can't stand this, but guess what? If you stick to the process, you get healing. But the problem is, this is what happens to a lot of us, God will take us to detox and we're like, I can't take it anymore, and we will quit in the process. Most people, I, say, I hate to say this, quit in the process as opposed to seeing the full results of what he's trying to do. If he's taking you to a cleansing and detox, is because he's trying to get you to a place of healing and righteousness so you can actually be free to enjoy yourself. Too many people, he starts by telling you, hey, I'm taking you to listen. I got to break you down from pouring spirit to mourning to meek so you can actually understand what you're looking for. Yeah. What you want is righteousness. Yeah. But if you don't detox Righteousness can hit you in the face, you won't recognize it. That's why it's sad for me to see a generation looking for attention, but not realizing you're going to get all the wrong ones. Because you're craving approval from the wrong people. Craving approval from the people who are also craving the wrong cravings. And can I be real? The reason why most relationships don't work is two people with wrong cravings. how am I supposed to fulfill your craving when I'm hungry and you're hungry? We're going to eat each other. That's why most relationships don't work. It's like you're having detox from being okay with who you are, because if you're okay with who you are, then you're going to accept the other person for who they are, and then you work on each other's gaps, and you fill each other's gaps, and you fill each other's holes, and then you become righteous, living in the will and purpose of God. Theologian Rocky Balboa had one of the greatest lines of marriage. He says, "Hey, Adrian, I got gaps. You got gaps. Let's get it. Let's, let's get together and fill each other's gaps." That's my terrible Rocky voice. My family tells me all the time, "Dad, please don't impersonate any. You can't impersonate anybody." <laughs> my friends, what we want is righteousness. God is trying to detox you so you can actually crave the right things. So you can actually be happy. That's the process he has all of us on, every single one of us. Happiness is about feeding your soul righteousness. King David puts it this way. In Psalm 42, look, he says this. He says, as a deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before Him? That's what we really want. We want God. But in order to get that, you have to detox to see that all along it was Him that you were looking for. It was Him that makes you come alive. It's the natural high that we're supposed to all have instead of looking for highs. No one starts with, I want to be an addict. We all start with, I want to be happy. But because we didn't crave righteousness, we end up with everything less than what happiness actually is. We long for God. This is why when you come to church and you worship, it's almost like, I don't know if you felt this way, but we're doing the song, it's like, your soul says, yes, that's what you're supposed to do. It's like your soul says, yes, that's the right craving. That's the right thing. That's what you want. Do more of that and we'll be happy. But worship is not just singing. It's how you live your life. Do more of that and you'll be happy. Long for the right things. This is what the Bible is trying to teach us. You can ask the question, what is righteousness? What exactly is this righteousness that I'm supposed to crave? That I'm supposed to long for? See, the word righteousness has div- many different meanings. Just like I tell you every week, the Greek and Hebrew, one word can have many different meanings. So I want to give you four meanings of the word righteousness that we see here that Jesus, is like, hey, hunger and thirst for this. The first thing that righteousness means is that righteousness is God's saving act. In other words, righteousness is not something that you earn. It's not something that you attain. You don't work hard to get righteousness. It's it's God's gift to you when you embrace what He's done for you. For example, in, in 2 Corinthians, it tells you this, it says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the... My goodness, we're, we're physically hungry today. Can we tap into that spiritual hunger? Let's try this again. God made Him, we had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the? Be, become the righteousness of God. You don't earn it, you don't deserve it. That's our problem as humanity. We think if I work hard enough, I'll be happy. If I work hard enough, then things are going to work out, and then we do it, and then it doesn't work out, and then we blame God. And God along is saying, "Oh, no, you don't earn this, you don't deserve this. this is my saving act. Like righteousness is what I put on you. Because I'm good. I'm right. You're wrong. And you need my righteousness to clothe you. See, I tell you this all the time, it's not about being a good person, it's about being a saved person. Because think about this, let me jack you up. The moment someone starts with, I'm a good person, that's self-righteousness. That's like, I am good according to me. But the problem is God's standard is not how good you are next to another human being, it's how good you are next to Him. See we love to compare each other with each other. God compares us to His Son, and no one can measure up. And that's good news, that's the gospel, that everybody can have God's saving act on them if they embrace. See, when Jesus looks down on earth, He's not looking at, oh, good people, really bad people, okay people, (laughs) New Bedford people, they're crazy. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? So God's not looking down on, oh, look. No, God's looking down on, like, who has accepted my righteousness over them? Who has taken advantage of my sacrifice on behalf of them? Who has taken advantage of the fact that my son has paid for their sins, and now they live in righteousness because of him? Who is actually in my will and in my purpose for their lives? That's why Jesus said, hunger for more of that for more of a saving act to be your portion that drives you, because it's like, man, I know I don't deserve this, I know I don't earn this, but man, I'm so thankful that I have the righteousness of God. Thanksgiving is not meant to be a holiday, it's supposed to be a way of life. I am thankful that I have a God who provides for me when I'm living in righteousness. Goes on to say righteousness, I love this, it's a relational quality not earned. Righteousness is when you are in a right relationship with God. Job put it this way, Job said, I put on what? Righteousness. As my clothing, justice was my robe and my turban. I put on righteousness, I'm not trying to be righteous, I put on it. I put on righteousness. You know, Ephesians says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. You don't earn a breastplate, it's given to you to put on. Like, God gives you righteousness, and he says, now crave more of that. Like, hunger for that. That that whatever's going on in your life, this, if you know Job's story, you know it's a rough story. But in the middle of it, Job is like, I put on your righteousness. I'm not going to try to pretend that, 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 that I have it all figured out, no, I'm going to put on your righteousness. You know you're worshiping God when hell is breaking loose, and you're like, I'm putting on your righteousness. I'm not going to let this stuff determine how oh, I'm going to worship you, because I don't worship you based on circumstances, I worship you based on who you are. I put on your righteousness, like I don't earn this, I don't deserve this. It's a relational quality. Because I'm in mean, good standing with God, I am righteous. It's so good. That that will alleviate a lot of religious pressure of trying to get right with God. God's like, no, you are right with me if you crave my righteousness. The Bible goes on to say that when, when you have this righteousness, there's a right response. There's a right response when there's righteousness is in you. In other words, when the righteousness of God is in you, it comes out of you. Can't fake the funk. If it's not in you, it's not going to come out of you. Right? Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, we tweet. Out of the abundance of the heart, we Facebook. Out of the abundance of the heart, we Instagram. Out of the abundance of the heart, we TikTok. In other words, you can't fake the funk. What's in you is going to come out. Sooner or later. So, righteousness... You know it's in you based on what's coming out of you. So it doesn't matter how much you say, I'm righteous, he's like, yeah, what's coming out of you though? What's woozing out of you? (laughs) Watch this. Micah says it this way. Here's how God says it. But he's already made it plain how to live, what to do. What God is looking for in man and woman, it's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor, be compassionate. And loyal in your love and don't take yourself too seriously take God seriously says if if the righteousness of God is in you guess what's going to come out of you you're going to do what's fair and just to your neighbor pause break here a lot of people are talking about I praise God but they're jerks to their neighbors the righteousness of God is not in you see how quiet we get Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Go in the parking lot about to kill somebody. The righteousness of God is not in you. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, but, but you, you, you pray in tongues, but you're gossiping in English. <laughs> no, no, no. The devil's a liar. Whatever is in you is going to come out of you. It says you have the righteousness when you are compassionate and loyal in your love. And... You know you have the righteousness of God when you don't take yourself too seriously, but you take God seriously. Let me translate it this way. Another translation says, listen, you know the righteousness of God is in you when you, when you act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. He says that's when you know the righteousness of God's flowing. That last part is critical, right? Walk humbly with your God. It's the meekness we talked about last week, strength under control, right? Because there's a lot of people who say they, they have humility, but man, they will cut you. And nothing worse than a religious person who takes themselves way too seriously. When they are, they're they're God's righteousness, not God. Beware of religious people who have all the answers, they know all the Bible verses, but they're jerks. Beware, listen, let me, I'm gonna have a pastoral moment here. Beware of religious people who do recycling instead of evangelism. What do I mean by that? Well, I believe that we as God's people are supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel and bring the church into the house, not go to another church and try to take a church person from another church to another church, because that's that's self-righteousness, that's not evangelism. When people start saying, like, hey, come to this church because, we you know, we preach the right theology, we preach the right gospel, we're in, no, everybody else is out. Listen, you better run the other way because the righteousness of God says there is no perfect church. The church is God's church, and he's the one that determines. And you should never go to a church based on someone's opinion. You should go to a church because the Holy Spirit is leading you. And if you leave a church based on someone's opinion, guess what? You're not in tune. You're not in tune. You're still craving people's approval. In eight years, I've never had one conversation with someone that this is your church. I always tell people, come to church, pray and ask the Holy Spirit, is this what's leading you? Because if he's leading you here, then he's leading you to this mission. If he's leading you to this mission, he's leading you to submission because submission is being under a mission. And if you're not under a mission, then you're, guess what? You're not in submission with the Holy Spirit that led you to a church in the first place. That's why some people bounce from church to church, but they'll never have submission to the will of God. I'm preaching a whole other message here. This is a real maturity, not the really cute YouTube nonsense. Take God seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously, because you're not God. And you're not the Holy Spirit to be saying what's right and what's wrong. And, and and pay attention to this. Everybody who tells you they're right and you're wrong, they're always on the right side. <laughs> That's a whole other. Y'all didn't catch. Tomorrow morning you go, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> they could be wrong, <laughs> but they think they okay. All right, never mind. Let me move on. You see, the righteousness of God leads to God's peace. That's what we're craving. We're craving God's peace. Isaiah puts it this way. He says, look, when the righteousness of God is on you, the Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness live in the fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be what? Peace. His effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Tell me that's not what we want. To have peace in the desert. That will preach. Think about it. It says, the Lord just will dwell in the desert. Desert is when things are not good. Desert is when there's there's famine, there's thirst. Desert is when nothing is working out. Desert is where your faith gets tested but his righteousness live in the fertile field. Think about it, Jesus said in the parable of the soil, he says, you want to be good soil. In other words, can the word of God be deposited in you and produce? It says when the word of God is, is deposited in the right soil, look what it happens, the fruit, the outcome of that righteousness will be what? Peace, shalom. That's what we want. Peace with God, peace with others. Peace in the middle of chaos. The Bible calls it the peace that makes no sense. Like, hell is breaking loose, but you got peace. Why? Because you didn't earn it. It's God's righteousness on you. That that people are like, why are you so at peace with everything that's going on in society? Well, because I know that breakthrough is coming. And my God made me a promise, and he won't stop now. And so, it's not just a song, it's a reminder of God's righteousness in my life. And watch this, it's effect, I love this, the effect of God's righteousness is quietness and confidence. You know someone is not confident when they're trying to be louder than you. You can always tell when someone's trying too hard. They speak in cap locks. You know someone's not confident when they have to be right but not righteous. You know what righteous people do? They rather lose because they know they're winning. People who are not in tune with the righteousness of God have to win, but in winning, you lose. Can I, can I get practical? You're at home, you have a great marriage, but because you want to be right, you slept in the couch for the last three days. You won the argument, but you lost. Don't elbow anybody. (laughs) Quietness and confidence, may goodness. Our society can benefit from some people who have that quiet and confident strength from God. Like, I don't have to prove myself to you. I don't have to be louder than you. I don't have to be better than you. I'm just in the righteousness of God, and and come with me, I'm just going to flow in that righteousness, and quietness and confidence will be my portion. Go ahead and wild out. I'm good. Sometimes you got to let people win, but you actually are the one-on-one. But you don't understand that if you're not hungry for righteousness. If you're hungry to be right, oh, it's a fight. That rhymed, hello. (laughs) The righteousness is God's peace. It's God's shalom. But this works, my friends, when you cooperate with God's spirit. In other words, hunger comes it's up to you to respond to it. Just like you respond to unhealthy healthy You ever find yourself at three in the morning eating stuff you shouldn't be eating? You're like, this is the last time. Fridge is open. This is the last time. <laughs> Dear God, I, this is the, I'm telling you, this is, this is the last time. The last time. It's the last time, God. I know last Thursday I said that, but I'm telling you. <laughs> God, this is the last time I'm going to DM someone who's not my wife. This is the last time that I'm going to steal under the table. This is the la- I'm telling you, it's the last time, God. God, if I just win the lottery, I'm going to be a nun. I'm telling you, this is. <laughs> it's the last time. We make so many deals with God. It's all self-righteousness. But how do we do this, my friends? Let me give you some practical ways to respond to righteousness. Because God's already calling you. wouldn't be here if God's not calling you. You're not that smart. <laughs> like God's already bidding you to come. He says, pay attention now to the rumblings of righteousness. I want to feed you right. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. You know what's fascinating about that question, teach us how to pray? They were Jewish kids. They lived prayer. So why are they asking Jesus to teach us how to pray? Because you could pray religiously or you can pray and have a real relationship. And in Jesus, they're like, man, you pray different. Like, it seems like you really, like you have this father. You really talk to him. Like, how do we do that? And not just be religious about it. In the middle of this prayer, what does Jesus say? Jesus say, hey, here's one of the things you want to ask God for is give us today. What? Why? Because you're... You're hungry. You're not just hungry physically. You're hungry emotionally. You're hungry spiritually. It says, if you don't ask God each day, you're going to feed yourself all junk food. Do you ever find yourself at the store eating a Slim Jim you're like, my God, this is amazing. But in any given circumstance, you would never eat a Slim Jim. But hey, you ever go to Target, like my, my wife's favorite place? Ladies, this is your problem. You go to Target for one thing, you come up with like... She gets home, I was like, I thought you went to go get milk. Like, what ha, Like, <laughs> You know, and then, you know, one thing led to another. I'm finding myself like, you know. And that's what happens when we're not in tune with asking God to give us his daily bread. You will eat all junk food. They say never shop when you're hungry, right? It's the same thing. Never date when you're hungry. I'm going to leave that one alone because I can always tell when you get weird with me. So, let me just preach the Bible. So, watch this, right? It says today. Give us today. Not tomorrow because sometimes we want to stock up. In the Old Testament, he was taking them through the wilderness, the desert, and he says, hey, I'm going to provide you with manna or manna, however you want to pronounce it. I'm going to sustain you each day. And what do we do as humans do? They're like, yo, we got to store this stuff. (laughs) They're like, yo, we don't know what else is coming. This thing, what is it? It's called, what is it, by the way? Mana, we don't know what it is. God's sustaining us. They're like, we got to hoard this. And every day they wake up in the morning, it will go rotten, because God will say, no, I'll sustain you for each day, because why? If I don't sustain you for each day, you're gonna, gonna wanna get ahead of me. And when you get ahead of God, you always get in trouble. That's why it says today. Right? Don't worry about 30 days from now. If you do it today, guess what? You are sums of your todays. If each day God is feeding you, guess how your 30 days is going to look like? It says today. He says, tomorrow has its own troubles. Worried about today. You know what's crazy? All we got is today. But we swear we got more. Like James, the brother of Jesus says, don't even talk about like, what you're going to do tomorrow because like, you don't know if you have tomorrow. He says, Make your plans, but trust God. Because you don't even know. Like, I don't know about you, I woke up today, I was like, Oh, I'm up. Someone didn't wake up. I'm happy, God, that you gave me another day. Today's the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not the next day. Today. So, if I learn to pursue righteousness daily, then daily I'm gonna be fed. Not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. So it's one day at a time. It's one moment at a time today. That's why I want us to take a deep breath because you could be in church, but your mind is somewhere else. All right. Think about it, right? He's about to give you the mana for today and you're worried about your mana for tomorrow. And the problem with a lot of people, they want to go there, but God's like, you're here though. And there's no there without here first. I don't know who I'm talking to, but man, you're here right now. Take advantage of... Today, 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 man time flies when you're having fun. You guys having fun? I'm having fun. I'm pre. I'm getting saved up here. In case you don't know this, I preach to myself first. Ain't no way. Listen, I can't give you what I don't have. Preaching to myself. Go ahead, go throw up the next thing. It takes focus to hunger, right? Think about it, right? The moment you said, I'm going to eat healthy, Burger King looks amazing. (laughs) (laughs) We're coming up, listen, pretty soon, in January, we do a 21 days fast, and it's awesome, but the struggle is real. Like mid-January, some of y'all are going to look at and you're going to start making theologies. You're going to say like, wait, French fries is basically vegetables. <laughs> it's potatoes. Like the stuff you start making up in the middle of a fast. As <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, your hunger will jack you up. <laughs> it's the moment you say, God, I want to live for you, that the phone rings with an offer to take you away from his will. It's the moment you say, God, I'm done living for myself. I wanna live pure and holy and righteous. That's the day you get the DM from that girl. It's the moment you say, God, man, I'm I'm telling you, God, I'm all in, and you get that call, and and the job, it's the right job, but it happens to take you away from Sundays. Because it takes focus. To stay on the right path. Jesus said, straight and narrow is the road. He says, broad is the road to all the wrong cravings. Takes focus. Watch this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thought. What's the word there? Yeah. Fix your thoughts. Because your thoughts, man, will take you places you don't want to be. Right. Right. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable. Right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. My friends, it takes focus. It takes focus. It takes discipline to eat right, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. That's why we've been telling you every week, you need the power of God Please, get this in your spirit. God's power over willpower any day. Your willpower, not good enough. This is why, again, he doesn't want you to get ahead of him. Because here's what happens to a lot of people, let's be real. You come to church, you're doing pretty good. You're like, all right, I got this now. You ever seen that? People come to church, they get delivered, and then they're like, you don't see them anymore. Why? They're good. But they don't realize you just cut yourself from the source power. Have you ever bought a rose... When you buy a rose, you have to cut the rose from the stem. Like, you have to cut it from its source power. That rose looks really beautiful when you give it to that girl who is not your wife. Like, it looks amazing. But check on that rose a month from that day. The rose slowly dies. Why? Because it's cut from the power, from the source of power. You need God's power over your willpower. Can you say amen? The next thing is... We say this so much, and I say it so much because it's so critical. It's like you got to put principles over feelings. You want to hunger for righteousness and be truly happy? It's principles over feelings. Scripture says in Galatians, it says, look, so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature, what? Here's that word again. Here's that word craving again, craving all the wrong things when you're not guided by God's spirit, when you're guided by your flesh. Beware of this a prophetic word now. Beware of when your spirit is telling you you're entitled to something. It was the day that King David, a man's after God's own heart, said, fellas, I've done fighting. You guys Go. That was the day that became the worst nightmare of his life. Because instead of going to where he's supposed to be by principle, he stayed back by feelings and his feelings got the best of him and he slept with a woman who wasn't his wife and the rest is history. It was the day that feelings took over Samson, the strongest man in the Bible, the strongest man in the Bible killed thousands of Philistines with a jawbone. He was feelings when he allowed this girl to lull him to sleep, not just physically, but spiritually, that he gave away his principles, and the rest is history. All it takes is one moment for everything you worked for to be destroyed because feelings rule the day. Some people are not here because they didn't feel like I'm at the church. It's a terrible way to live life. Because tomorrow, you're not gonna feel like going to work, but you go to work on principle because you love the feeling of Friday. See, the Bible says, the paycheck of sin is death, Mm -hmm. but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I got to run here, man, time flies when you're having fun. A word of advice, if you're serious about God's righteousness, watch your company. The Bible says bad company corrupts character. Some people will come to church, they're excited about God's righteousness, and they go feast where people are craving all the wrong things. It's hard to quit drinking when you hang out in a bar. I'm just here hanging out. Yeah, well, it's how long that lasts. That company corrupts character. Doing good in church, here comes—by the way, have you noticed? It's easy to brush off the voice of a stranger, but sometimes it's the voice of a familiar face that comes to be your stumbling block. Why do you think the enemy used Peter to try to deviate Jesus from his purpose? One of his best friends. He meant well, but he wasn't in tune with the spirit. And what did Jesus say to Peter? He's one of his best friends. Jesus read right through it and says, get behind me, Satan. I see what you're trying to do here. Please be aware, not every familiar voice is the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, if you're living for God and, 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 and you're in church and there's so-called religious people telling you there's a better church for you, I'm just saying, are we into recycling or are we into evangelism? Because there's a, there's a whole world out there where doesn't know Jesus. Why am I taking someone who's already in the house away from the house? Beware, familiar voices with the wrong spirits. I gotta go, you guys good? Listen, Philippians one says it's progress over perfection. Sometimes you get overwhelmed because you're like man, there's so much going on. Listen, it's one day at a time. That's all you got. He says if I started working you, I'm not gonna stop until I'm done. Watch this, Philippians 1, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I told you last week, when God establishes a beachhead in your life, you're going to win. You might have setbacks, but every setback is a great comeback. Like, listen, you you, you might lose ground, but you're gonna win the war. You might lose a battle, but you're not losing the war. Trust me, when he begins the good work in you, he will finish it. I want to remind someone today: maybe you had a bad week, but guess what? You're in God's house. Tap into his power, tap into his righteousness, <laughs> tap into his will. Because quitting is not an option. We know too much. To be quitting halfway, we got to go all the way in Jesus' name. Can you say, Amen? Amen. We tell our staff all the time, let's just get better by one percent. I was studying the other day, and I was watching. I like I like the water, man. I'm a big fan of body of water. It does this for me. Some people like. Mountains, I like water. I'm from an island, so I mean. But I was watching this rock that was getting hit by these waves over and over again. Over and over again. And I just felt like, man, this is what God does. Over and over again. Over and over again. See, for the naked eye, nothing is happening, but that rock is being changed. Like, you check on that rock a few years from now, there's there's changes to that rock, but it's gradual change. The problem is we want big changes all at once, but it's gradual change that leads to a better life. It's just every day letting the Holy Spirit wash over you and wash over you and watch what He's doing. He's cleansing you, He's purifying you, He's changing you, He's molding you, He's shaping you. Listen, He doesn't stop working on you. Matter of fact, if you you know anything about about the earth, it's the reason why we have islands because they gradually will separate. And that's how Cape Verde has 10 islands. It didn't start that way. God will constantly work on you if you allow him to. So don't give up in the middle of the battle. And lastly today, I want to give you homework. It's a cuss word for some of y'all. Brings back bad memories, you didn't do your homework. But I wanna give you homework because you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta continue to pursue righteousness. So I wanna give you this homework, it's a simple homework. I want you to meal prep for the week. Because you know you eat terrible when you don't meal prep. Like I do so much better during the week when I bring lunch to work. If I don't bring lunch to work, man, I, I don't know why, but wings just, wings are so appealing. <laughs> I'm the guy, you know, I tell my wife, I don't know, one thing led to another. I find myself a Pisanius. I was having wings. It's your fault. You didn't make me lunch. (laughs) Passing the buck. You know, I got to blame somebody. Blame the devil. (laughs) The devil's like, oh, I, I want some wings too. I want to, can I encourage you to spend some time in the psalm? It's Psalm 119. Listen, if you grab your Bible, right, and you just open it right in the middle, I guarantee you, you'll land right in Psalms 119. It's it's the longest psalm in the Bible. It's 176 verses in it. So that means you can break it up for the week and spend each day saying, God, I'm coming to pursue your righteousness. You know what I love about Psalm 119? It's all about God's righteousness. It's all about, man, how do I live with the word in me? so I can crave the right things. You say things like, hey, how can I live a pure life? By hiding your word in my heart. Because when I hide your word in my heart, then I'm eating right. I wanna tell you, listen, it's not quantity, it's quality. You don't have to read 10 Bible verses a day. Listen, if you read one verse, you meditate on it, and you ask the Holy Spirit to show you how to live it, righteousness, it's cultivated. I would say that righteousness is an acquired taste, because you're so used to other things. It takes time to acquire the right taste, and you don't get the right taste without the Word. Jesus said, you don't live by bread alone, you live by the Word. So I pray you take this seriously, say, man, each day I need to carve out 20 minutes to eat right. And watch how your day flows. And watch how your week flows. Watch how your year starts to flow when you start putting righteousness as a priority in my life. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.